Welcome to Hot Topics in Kidney Health, brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation. Join us as we highlight the latest in kidney research, bring you up-to-date news in kidney care, dispel myths, and answer questions to help people with kidney disease or a transplant live well. Today's hot topic is the latest new tools in kidney disease research. Patients have asked us questions about research, such as how can they get more involved in meaningful kidney disease research? And is there a list of kidney disease clinical trials that can be found easily? What kidney patients want more than anything is an end to kidney disease. They want to be part of the solution to finding better treatments, medications, and ultimately a cure. In this episode, we talk about an exciting new and easy way for patients to be part of this effort to improve the lives of people affected by kidney disease everywhere. The NKF Patient Network, an online registry for kidney patients at any stage. For today's episode, we're chatting with the team behind the new NKF patient portal called the Patient Network. This is the first nationwide registry for patients at all stages of kidney disease. The overall goal with this network is to improve the lives of kidney disease patients through research, clinical care, drug development, and support health policy decisions. We are joined today by Dr. Carrie Willis, who's the National Kidney Foundation Chief Scientific Officer and Project Lead, Dr. Leslie Inker, a nephrologist at Tufts Medical Center and the chair of the Patient Network Steering Committee, Dr. Alexander Chang, the co-director of the Kidney Health Research Institute at Geisinger, and the NKF Patient Network PI for the Geisinger site, and our two patient stakeholders on the Patient Network Advisory Committee, Carrie Maxwell and Curtis Warfield. We've got a full house today. Thank you all so much for joining me. I have a question for Carrie. Why did the NKF start the Patient Network? Uh, Well, NKF started the patient network originally so that we would have a group of patients who would be ready to participate in clinical trials. You know, we still have very few uh, kidney medicines. And one of the reasons for that is that uh, sponsors who have new treatments have had a hard time finding people that would enroll in trials so that we could find out if they were safe and effective. So that was the initial impetus that we were encouraging people to, to come into nephrology, design new treatments, but we had to help them figure out how they could run a trial. And then uh, We gradually, with advice from uh, our patient advisory group, we started adding things to the platform just to make the experience richer for patients. Um, We added education and we also have a research arm. So the patient network is also an observational study. So we wanna learn more uh, by interacting with patients about how they feel, any questions they have about understanding their disease progression uh, throughout their journeys. So I would say we started for a simple reason and uh, the reasons keep expanding as we learn more. Let's move on to Dr. Inker. Tell me a little bit about how this process started. I understand that the network has taken about five years to develop. The time when we started looking at this, there were two kinds of registries. One that came from electronic data and didn't have the patient voice, and another type that had completely the patient voice but had no data. And kidney disease is very silent. When I came onto the scene, I said, Let, can we figure out how to combine the patient voice and like electronic record? 
And we actually asked this question at a really fortunate time when the technology was beginning to be able to do this. I'm curious to hear from Dr. Chang, what inspired or excited you to join the development of the patient network so early on? You know, as uh, a nephrologist, um, I, you know, I, I'm always dismayed when I see patients crashing into dialysis and having not received preventive care or, you know, misdiagnoses that, that might have uh, changed the trajectory of their disease course a lot earlier. So I think, you know, the, the, the efforts of uh, the National Kidney Foundation to establish this patient network are really, really huge here, I think. And, you know, the opportunity to try to connect patients and get some patient reported data and offer um, opportunities to participate into clinical trials is, is a really uh, wonderful uh, step in the right direction. One of the key challenges of kidney disease trials is recruitment, and we need to be in the community not just in our own offices, not doctor-centric, but patient community-centric. The other thing that Carrie didn't mention is that in our initial conversation about this, we were also talking about how kidney disease and education and patient activation is really at the core of preventing progression and also just helping patients live in the context of their disease. And actually, in reflecting back, I realized that one of the reasons I got into nephrology was that I liked the chronic nature of the disease. You could develop relationships with patients and really help them live in the context of of their disease. And to me, two of the critical aspects of that are a community and education, both of which are really fundamental to the patient network. Carrie, could you please tell us more about why patients should join the patient network and what the benefits are? Well, I really think of the NKF patient network as a hub for everyone who has kidney disease, whether we're talking about early stage chronic kidney disease or even people with kidney failure treated by dialysis or a kidney transplant. So there are dozens of reasons. I mean, you can, so we, you could join the network just for the personalized education uh, that it provides. So we have uh, digital tools to help people with decisions about their treatment. We give you information about the latest research on kidney disease, diet and nutrition. Uh, it's really all there for you. And you can also, we survey uh, the patient network members so you can provide suggestions if there's more you want that you don't see there. Uh, we also give you information about access to clinical trials that you might be eligible for. And um, we have several online communities uh, for different kinds of kidney disease patients. So you can connect with people uh, to understand uh, their, their d- journey with kidney disease. I'm curious to hear from Dr. Chang. Can you tell me a little bit more about the educational content on this platform? And what is your favorite part of the patient network? Uh, yes. Yeah, so one of my interests is nutrition. And I think that the there's a lot of difficulties in providing good nutritional advice to patients with kidney disease. Um, you know, one of the big challenges is that the internet is sort of a wild west of uh, medical and nutritional information, and you can kind of get lots of different advice about this or that. 
So I think having um, a trusted source like the National Kidney Foundation, which has many excellent, uh, very nuanced nutritional guides and inf- informational um, pages uh, onto the, the NKF patient network is a, a real strength. You know, for instance, uh, the type of diet you might suggest to somebody who has early kidney disease is going to be dramatically different than somebody with you know very advanced kidney disease who might be struggling with hyperkalemia. So I think you know having that uh, more nuanced approach and then being able to integrate um, electronic health record or patient reported data on their on their actual kidney level. Uh, is is going to be very valuable in, in sort of guiding them to the right uh, educational materials. I think the other big thing right now, of course, is you know COVID nineteen and the NKF has done a, a great job in trying to provide facts on vaccination and, and kidney patients and and what it means to a kidney and transplant patients. So having you know the, these types of information sources that can be readily updated. Uh, as as the news comes and, and new studies are published, you know, very quickly and, and the science changes rapidly is, is is a big strength. Can you tell me what's the great what is the greatest benefit of joining a network like the patient network? Yeah, so again, I think you have to think about it from the the patient's perspective. So you know, a lot of patients don't ever have an opportunity to participate in research or clinical trials, and not necessarily because they're not interested. It's you know, mostly there's not necessarily a a research opportunity available to to the patients. So I think the the, the biggest opportunity is connecting the dots and providing patients into this network and then being able to know if there's ever some kind of a research opportunity that might apply to the patient and then also having the ability to provide input via these uh, surveys that will be sent out to patients and, and, you know, provide feedback onto the patient network itself. I think really engaging the patients in their care is really the, the strength. You know, right now, uh, in terms of uh, Geisinger Health, uh, we have plenty of research going on in kidney disease. A lot of it is uh, more on the epidemiology side and being able to, again, plug in patients that, uh, you know, some, some patients may have some rare diseases that it's hard to know for all the individual primary care physicians to know about all the different opportunities, even some, uh, you know, nephrologists may not know about, you know, new clinical trials that are ongoing. And Dr. Willis was saying a lot of, a lot of these studies are very hard to recruit patients into. And and so then we, we aren't able to necessarily get the uh, clinical trials uh, with enough evidence to, to keep moving forward. So really, having a better um, way to contact patients with rare diseases and, and more specific conditions uh, will be a, another great strength. We're going to move on to introducing our wonderful two patient advocates. Um, Curtis, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm Curtis Warfield. I am a kidney patient. In 2012, I was uh, diagnosed with FSGS at stage 3 and uh, did uh, peritoneal dialysis starting in 2014. My daughter wasn't happy with the way things were going, so uh, once I qualified for the transplant list, she decided to go and be tested to be a living donor. Uh, When things did not uh, work out in that direction, uh, 
her college sorority sister, who she was sharing a house with at the time, decided to step up and turned out to be a perfect match. So since that time, uh, I wanted to give forward to what was given to me and also be a patient voice for those who didn't have a voice. It's good to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. And last but certainly not least, Carrie, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Good morning. I'm Carrie Maxwell. I live in central Pennsylvania, and um, I have a hereditary condition called polycystic kidney disease. So I am currently in stage four pre-dialysis. Like Dr. Chang was mentioning, um, members of my family uh, were diagnosed when it was too late. So it became really important to me to advocate for early detection and as well as um, scientific advancement um, in kidney disease and research. I work full-time. I'm a wife, mom of three busy girls. Um, I work in tech, so I'm naturally curious about technological advances wherever they can be applied. And so this uh, serving on this registry committee just seemed like a really good fit for me. Carrie, can you please tell me more about how patients like Carrie and Curtis were involved in the development of the patient network? Uh, Yes, I'd love to. Uh, We're very proud of the fact that uh, the NKF patient network really was developed uh, by patients and for patients. Initially, we started out with a survey. Actually, uh, Carrie and Curtis and other people who are very involved with the foundation filled the survey out first. And it was about if we had a national chronic kidney disease patient registry, what would you like to see it do? Based on that survey, we started actually doing the design of the platform and we formed an advisory group that was a combination of nephrologists and technology experts and also patients. So we got feedback from patients as we developed the platform. So when we got closer and we're getting ready to launch the thing, we sent out a whole survey about what should we call this? Because we learned that not everyone knows what a patient registry is. So the name NKF Patient Network was actually chosen by the patients. I'm curious to hear from Carrie and Curtis. What are your favorite parts about the patient network? With the disease that I have, it's hereditary. And so now that I know that my oldest child has the same disease, that has taken my desire to advocate for myself and others to the next level. Like I I never thought possible that my passion for something could grow just finding out now that it's taken on a new generation in my family. Um, So um, I was just fortunate to be a part of a wonderful clinical trial for the first ever medication for people with PKD, which is what I have. And so I just, I believe so much in science and I believe in information. So I think uh, this could be the tool that brings together people and people's information and um, gives the scientific community what they need to really elevate kidney disease. I like the user friendliness of the network. Um, The dashboard for me was really exciting because it's, You can just click wherever you want to go, and that information is right there for you. So I like uh, the user-friendliness of the network. Absolutely. And to bookend on that, um, the 
surveys and questionnaires that you get from time to time are just another way to kind of grow your voice. And I didn't really even think about that until after doing several. And I thought, hey, I'm giving information to people that need it. And it just kind of helps you remember like to advocate for yourself and to speak up and to share, you know, I feel like we're sometimes we want to hide things that are going on with us and and that's normal, but it's when we are able to open up and be really transparent about our struggles that we can get the help that we need, right? And meet some really great people along the way too. Um, Do y'all have any questions you want to ask the experts about the patient network? As someone working in tech and I'm surrounded by people that are very security conscious. <laughs> um, so when we first got started with this, I was curious about the privacy and security of patient information. Can someone just dive in a little bit on how that's kept secure? Uh, yeah, I can speak to that. So um Well, I mean, you've joined the network, so you probably noticed that after answering a a couple of questions, you sign an informed consent. And at that point, uh, you are given a unique identifier number so that um, when you start entering um, your personal health and contact information, um, though the the identifying information is stored in a different part of the platform. So all of the data on the patient network is is stored in a completely secure cloud-based server. So it's Pulse InfoFrame has the only key that can actually um, connect the patient identifying information with the other health information that you provide to the platform. And I'll also add that even over the short time that We've been working with the uh, data from the feasibility study. We're not even a year up to actually getting uh, data. We've had uh, changes in security. There's there's always more research, more development to how to make it more secure. So our vendor, Pulse InfoFrame, has a very secure system, and they've been working on this for many years. But when we started talking to Geisinger, the Geisinger security team said, actually, we need more. And, and, uh, and if we talk to more people and more health organizations, there's more questions. And I think this is not, doesn't reflect the inadequacies of our vendor, but more that as, as our abilities to keep data more secure, we continue to enhance it. And uh, as you're, you're probably better aware than, than me, being in the tech world, the European countries have an even more secure system. So as we begin to plan to have a network in Europe, that we're conscious of that. And one of the questions are, do we, how do we integrate that with the U.S.-based system so it, we can still be functional but yet reflect those securities there? So we're, this is a constant evolution, and we have a technology committee that specifically thinks about these issues in an ongoing way. This is not something you can just put in a law cabinet once you sort it out. This is a living, breathing entity that we are continually thinking about and worrying about. That's fantastic. Any other thoughts? As it's growing and as it started out great, where do you see this going in like the next five years or so? Well, I think 
that, so there are a number of enhancements that we're planning for the platform. And I know, um, I mean, Curtis, you're very interested in education. So uh, the kidney pathways, which is the, you know, it's a digital, you know, individualized platform, but we're actually going to take that to the next level. So it will be actually personalized, it will become much more interactive, you know, using sort of some artificial intelligence so that it'll be able to respond more to questions that patients have and and kind of follow them in their kidney disease journeys. There will be a newsletter quarterly to all of the patients in the network. And we also, we're really excited about a rare disease kidney patient registry that is planning to join forces with us. So um, you could imagine that there will be sort of sub-communities within the larger community of the patient network. And I, so I think ultimately what I am hoping for, like maybe in five years, this our patient network will be regarded as the sort of the primary home for everybody who has kidney disease and by doing that and getting feedback from that community that's how we'll continue to evolve and we're hoping ultimately that we will have up to 50,000 patients in the network uh, so that we'll be able to, uh, we're talking about things like uh, gamification, so ways to encourage people to spend time on the platform and respond to the surveys because, you know, longevity. So, you know, people who are the longtime members of our network will be will help us do sort of mo, more robust observational research. So we have many, many plans. I'm so excited, looking forward to the next phase. I heard the network is also expanding out to other countries outside of the United States. Why is it important to expand internationally? As with everything about the network, uh, we have a number of objectives, but um, I think that first and foremost was that most clinical trials now are global. So one of the things that we hope we'll be, be able to do actually is enroll patients who've completed clinical trials and, you know, be able to do some, you know, sort of pharmacovigilance um, to see what happens over time, you know, when they're on these new therapies. But one of the things that I think is going to be really exciting about it is that that people's attitudes toward their health and medical care are very, very different around the world. And by having access to patients in many different countries, um, we may learn things about, um, oh, I don't know, you know, comorbid conditions or drug interactions, but also about um, how people's knowledge and their attitudes and behavior affect the progression of their disease. Yeah, I, I think that it, what unites us as patients and physicians is more common than what divides us. And so I think that we can learn more together and help. And we are a global world. And so our our treatments and what we learn about how to educate patients or activate communities, this is, these are global issues that we can be stronger together. Thank you all so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. My last question is, is how can patients join the patient network? Um, is there a website, phone number, or email address that they can use to get in contact with us? You can visit the NKF 
patientnetwork.org. And for our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tag us on Twitter. Our handle is at NKF. And if you'd like to get in touch with us about this episode or have ideas for future ones, please email us at nkfpodcast at kidney.org. Thank you for listening. It takes a special person to become a living donor, and nothing makes us prouder than celebrating one of our own. NKF's very own health policy director, Miriam Godwin, just became one of those incredible humans and anonymously donated her kidney to someone in need. Miriam, you are awesome. Thank you for giving someone the best gift there is, the gift of life. We want to hear from you. Do you have comments on this episode, suggestions on future topics or guests? Is there a kidney hero in your life that you'd like to honor? Email us at nkfpodcasts at kidney.org. Make sure to subscribe, review, and share our podcast with others. Thank you again for listening. We hope you join us next time. Until then, from all of us at NKF, we wish you good health.